Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. John Russell with us. John became aware of his psychic abilities around the age of six, starting giving psychic readings to friends and family at about age 15. And by the age of 18, he was reading professionally. He eventually became an internationally known and has more than 45 years experience as a professional psychic with a worldwide clientele and as a paranormal investigator has witnessed more than 800 supernatural manifestations. A couple of his books include Writing with Ghosts, Angels, and the Spirits of the Dead, and also A Knock in the Attic, True Ghost Stories, and Other Spine-Chilling Paranormal Adventures. John, welcome back, and almost happy Halloween to you. Yes, almost happy Halloween, George. Thank you for having me back. It's always a pleasure to be here. We oh, always have a good time. We do. I'm we looking do. forward to it. We love you on the program. Let's go back a little bit for the new listeners that are joining us all the time. Six years old this all started? Six years old this all started. I had, uh, when I was five years old, I was awakened by this old black ghost. And I knew he was old because he had white hair and a white mustache. And uh, he scared the bejesus out of me because I was sound asleep in my home. Oh, I bet. My gosh. And I wake up in the uh, the middle of the night for no apparent reason, and my parents had left a nightlight on in the hallway so I could see if I got up at night, woke up at night, whatever. So I wake up in the middle of the night, and I thought, well, maybe I, I heard a sound or something. Something woke me up because I was just suddenly wide awake for no apparent reason that I could discern. And I raised up on my, my elbows in bed, and I looked around, and I looked out my open bedroom door down the hallway, and there was this elderly black gentleman standing there peering around the doorway. And I screamed bloody murder because, uh, you know, my family was white. We didn't have anyone black living with us. So as a five-year-old, my presumption was someone's broken in. Someone's entered the house. So as I'm watching this, this gentleman screaming at the top of my lungs, then here he comes around the corner of the doorway into the hall, starts walking toward the bed, locking eyes with me, and he was as solid George as you or I. Wow. I can tell you if what he had on, he wore a red flannel shirt, he had on khaki pants, he had black shoes and a black belt, like I say, close-cropped white hair, white mustache, and it, I was just every bit as solid as you or I, and I was just screaming my head off, and as he got close to me and my parents began to come running, he began to vanish. Then he got translucent, got a little transparent, and then began to vanish and was gone. Did he ever come back? As far as I know, I have never seen him again. His job was to come and open up the portal to all of these paranormal manifestations that I've experienced so that I could experience the other side directly firsthand, learn from the other side directly firsthand, and then share those experiences with other people, get the knowledge I needed to later go on and become uh, this internationally known psychic. And shortly after that experience, then my psychic gift awakened, and uh, the rest is history, as I say. Was any of this genetic, John? I mean, did it come from your family? A little bit did, yeah. There was a, a little bit of a, a psychic gift, a little bit of a psychic history in my family. And uh, my family had always had an interest in the paranormal, in psychic things and paranormal. But no one in the family ever had a gift as, uh, as deep as mine, as powerful as mine, as accurate as mine, as consistent. Nobody has ever had the amount of experiences that I've had. Um, 
now in keeping count, there's well over a thousand, well over a thousand paranormal manifestations that I've experienced on the physical realm. And a lot of time we get those on film, we audio record them, video record them. Many times there's other witnesses present. So it's it's really been an incredible life, George. It really has. Good for you. Lots of uh, Halloween-type ghost stories I want to get into with you tonight, John. But Absolutely. you have talked about something called cloud busting. Tell yeah. me about that. What is that exactly? George, I tell you, this goes back a long way in the history of the psychic and paranormal realm. Cloud busting is if you'll go outside on a, a calm day, a nice day, you want plenty of sunshine and just a few little small clouds here and there in the sky. And you sit down and focus your attention and focus your energy on one of these small clouds. And in your mind's eye, visualize from your forehead this beam, like a laser beam of light, shooting out from your forehead and going all the way up to that cloud. Keep that stream going continuously until it touches that cloud. And when it touches the cloud, see that beam dispersing within the cloud and dissolving the cloud. And say to the cloud, say, thank you for dissolving. Thank you for receiving this energy. Thank you for dissipating. And if you really, really focus and really do that and really put your energy into it, that cloud will absolutely just vanish, just evaporate. Now, anybody can learn to do this. This is an old technique. It's proven. It goes way back. And it's one of the first things that you begin to teach people when you're trying to teach them psychic development is because, wow, look at that. It works. And the application that came to me the other day when I was thinking about this, I hadn't thought about cloud busting in a number of years. I practice it periodically just to, just to keep that energy going. But the thing that came to me was if we can use the power of our minds that way, if we can use that energy and direct it toward a cloud and evaporate that cloud, make that cloud dissolve, what about taking that energy and focusing it towards that little bitty invisible coronavirus? Interesting. And all of us every day getting up and focusing on that virus and sending that energy out and say, die, dissolve. To dissipate evaporate. that thing, get Disappear. rid of it. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And so that's my call to everybody is like, look, whenever you can, get up, take a few moments, focus, focus on that thing and focus on dissolving it, dissipating it, getting rid of it and nullifying it. John, October 29th, which is a Friday, we're devoting the program to uh, special interviews and uh, what we call ghost to ghost, where our callers, our listeners call in with their ghost stories do you have a favorite Halloween story? Oh man, I've got I've got lots. <laughs> <laughs> you you could take up the whole show that night all by yourself. I bet I could. I absolutely could, George. I really could. But I, I think one of the um, the very favorite things I've experienced, and we may have talked about this before on the show, but it just uh, was was such a phenomenal experience. Um, I had this. Um, this beautiful white cat named Poe, yes, after Edgar Allan. And uh, this was one of the most beloved pets we had ever had. And on, he became ill. He was well advanced in age. We had him since he was young, and he was up, I don't know, 14, 15, 16. You know, cats get up that age, and they usually go. Yeah, that's, and that's and a pretty good run for a cat, too. It is. It really, really is. And we have one now, as a matter of fact, that's going on 18 which is just incredible, just crazy. That's phenomenal. But anyways, Poe died, and he died on Halloween night. 
and uh, just just broke my heart. And I thought, but how fitting that he would die on Halloween night. You know, you can't get much better than that, have a cat named Poe that dies on Halloween. So uh, a, a year or two went by, I believe it was two years went by, and of course I thought of him constantly, but especially on Halloween I'd think of him. And as we neared the next Halloween coming up, my wife and I were sitting there on the couch watching TV, and we had these large glass doors looking out into the backyard. And this was at our old home. We've since moved, but this was at our old home, and we had endured two hurricanes there. And uh, the first hurricane we endured had blown part of the fence down, and in the back of us was a very thick woods, uh, lots of vines, lots of thickets, lots of trees, brush, and so on and so forth. So I'm sitting there, and I'm, something catches the corner of my eye. I look out, and my wife's on the phone, talking on the phone while we're watching TV. And I look out into the backyard, and George, guess what, comes walking out of the woods, up onto the fence, sits down and stares in our, in our doors at us, this brilliant white cat that is the spitting image. Oh, jeez. And I, I grabbed my wife and I said, "Look, look! I'm sorry to interrupt you, but look, look at the cat! Look outside, it's Bo." And she uh, just gets gobsmacked, hangs up the phone, gets off the phone, and we're like, "Oh my God, that's it's Bo! Bo has come back to visit us!" And so I opened the door, went to go outside, and he got up, walked back into the woods, and I was like, "Oh man!" And I, I just couldn't stand it. I just wanted to get close to him. I just wanted to touch him or, or talk to him closer. So I went back in, sat back down, and as we're watching, he comes back out of the woods, sits back down, and stares again. And kind of the mental message I get is like, I can't let you come out and pet me. I can't let you come out and touch me. You're going to have to be satisfied with this. But here I am. I made it. I love you. I'm back. Here I am. So I got my phone out, zoomed in, took a picture, and... Um, then in a little while, he wandered off. Now, two things. This was a cat that when he walked through the room, no exaggeration, clouds of hair would float up off this cat. We ruined three vacuum cleaners with this cat in his <laughs> And I went outside when he walked off, and I examined the area where he was, and then all of this thick stuff that he went through to come to that fence and sit there, there was not one single stray strand of cat hair anywhere. The second thing was the photo that I took of him when I looked at it and enlarged it. You cannot see any detail in this photo. You can't see eyes. You can't see in the ears. You can't see a nose or mouth. You just see the shimmering white outline of the cat. And uh, it was just, just incredible. So... They do come back, they do visit, they do let us know that they made it, and they do let us know that they're there. Is this new house of yours haunted? Oh, absolutely. All houses are haunted. Uh, you may not be aware of it, may not pay attention to it, but all houses are haunted. And the reason for that is every place on the planet um, has energy, has spirits, spirits that either live there or pass through there, decide to come there. If they're passing through, they may decide to stay. Uh, most of the places on this planet that we think are uninhabited have been inhabited in the past at one point or the other. And uh, there's, there's lots of places where massacres have occurred and things like that. Here in Florida, we have Matanzas Inlet, and Matanzas means slaughter. And it's right on the beach, and it's this beautiful little area, and all of these Spanish soldiers were killed there. <laughs> it's like, you know, you'd never Jeez. know what to look at it. But on, on every part.
part of this planet virtually. There's been something going on at some point. So every place is haunted, and uh, and the new house, um, you know, we have the same experiences we always do: footsteps, voices, sounds, objects moving, that type of thing. But what is really, really neat with the move to the new house was that uh, you know my wife and I are, we're we're getting up there. And so we had her son and, and his girlfriend come and help us during the move and help us pack some stuff up. And uh, my, my son and I were sitting there working together, packing some specific items. And there were things that I had to get to the new office and get set up so I can work, do my podcast and interviews and so on and so forth. So I'm paying particular attention to what I'm putting in boxes, what goes in what and what goes in what box. And we're doing that together. And we seal these boxes up and then take them out so that uh, we, can, we can pack them up and bring them over here. So when I get over here, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, man, I'm, I'm just almost set up, but there's a couple of items that I really, really, really need for my desk. And I have no idea where they're at. And so I walk out in the garage where we've got a lot of the boxes. And I, I just told my guys, I said, guys, I said, guide me to this because, you know, I really need this. And I was led to this box that my wife had packed, and it said John's shoes and like some other items and stuff like that. And I cut the tape, opened it up, and lo and behold, the items that my boy and I had packed and sealed in one box now appeared in this box. Wow. Now, you also purchased a haunted doll, didn't you, from eBay? We did. There was a... uh, my wife and I saw a TV show, and we kind of got into haunted dolls. So we thought, let's get a haunted doll. So we looked on eBay, and there was this haunted doll for sale from this lady, and everything seemed very reputable and very realistic about this. And it was and it was sold as a haunted doll, right? Exactly. That's how she advertised it, and just talked about some of the manifestations that occurred around the doll. And we were like, yes, got to have that. We want that. So we, we bought the haunted doll, got her home. And uh, she was delivered to us and got her home, and and uh, there was a, a definite energy about her, a definite strength and energy about her, and there were a few physical manifestations that we had, and we would talk to her and welcome her to the home and, and uh, you know, m- make her at home, make her at peace and all that type of thing, because obviously there was some spirit living in the, there in her. And uh, one night I had this dream, and the doll came to me in the dream and said, You've been so kind to me and so helpful, and thank you for releasing me. I'm going to go now, and went up in flames, literally just went up in flames and vanished in the dream. And I was like, wow, that's bizarre. So the next day, I got up, and I I had the doll in my office, and uh, it seemed like the doll was just lifeless, just, just a regular doll. It didn't seem like there was any energy or anything there. And I opened up my email, and I had an email from this woman. And she said, I wanted to make sure that you're okay. No fire has occurred in your house, or your house hasn't burned down or anything. She said, I dreamed about the doll last night, and that the doll went up in flames. How could someone like you, who is so psychically inclined, get zapped with so many ghost stories like this? Oh, that's that's easy. <laughs> you know, I have to... Uh, you know, pay the bills, and I have to 
focus on calling for the, the service for the hot water heater. I have to answer client emails. I have to do this. So my attention is not always 100% on the other side. You know, I have to split my focus. I have to fix breakfast or, you know, do whatever just like everybody else does. So in that process, it's, uh, it, can, it can be easy to get blindsided psychically. So. Absolutely. My gosh. Yeah. Now, what, what about you have some real manifestations of haunted camera stories? What were they? Man, those are just really great, George. I'll tell you, the, uh, the first one concerns a, a literal real camera, and it's a 35-millimeter camera. It was the very first 35-millimeter camera I ever owned, and it took really great photos, and I was becoming a, a good photographer with it. And uh, one night we had this little, uh, little seance, little circle, and uh, I decided to try some ghost photography, spirit photography. So we all agreed that a woman had come and attended our circle in spirit, and we all described her the same way, so we knew we were picking up on the same spirit, same entity. And I took the camera, and I, I put it toward her, and I said, I want to take your picture. And everybody else there said, John, she doesn't want you to take that picture. And I was like, well, I want to get this shot, so excuse me, ma'am, but I, I really want you to manifest on film. And again, they said, John, she doesn't want you to take that picture. But I took the pictures anyway. So this is a film camera back in the days of film before digital. What's film? Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> and what happens next, if you know anything about film cameras, is literally physically impossible. Because I would, I would hit the uh, film advanced lever and the... Um, the Everything would spin, the numbers would advance and everything else, but I could feel that the film had not advanced in the camera. And I hit the lever again, hit the lever again, and it, it wouldn't advance, even though everything else was working. And I went in some darkness and opened up the back of the camera, looked, sure enough, it was on the exact same frame as when I had shot her. So the camera literally just would not work, the film would not advance, and so um, I tried a few more times to take a picture, and, and everybody told me, they said, okay, you know, tell her I'm sorry, tell her I'm going to stop. I'm not going to take any more pictures. I told her that. I said, okay, I'm, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have tried to take the picture when you didn't want me to, and everybody said not to. And they said, now the camera will work again. Try it. And I did, and the camera worked. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern, and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.